And just to let you know, on the first Sunday of every month, we always have an all-age service, which is everyone in together. And the talk is not just aimed at children. It's a talk for everyone. It's, a, it's an all-age talk that we give on the first Sunday of the month. So, uh, many of the books of the Bible are letters from the Apostle Paul to the various churches that he set up uh, all over the known world. And sometimes when we read Paul's letters, we're actually reading a response to a letter that's been sent to him by one of those churches. It's a bit like listening into a telephone conversation when you can only hear half the conversation. You know, if you're in the room with someone and they're on the phone, you can hear what they're saying, but you can't hear what the person on the other end of the phone is saying. It's a bit like that. Hang on a minute. My phone was... My phone's going off. Hang on a sec. This is unusual. Hello? Okay, who, who are... Is it Alan? Yes, it is. Oh, okay, and you want to speak with Travis? Travis, it's for you. So this is, uh, this is random. This never normally happens. Uh, it looks so, so natural, didn't it? Um, so this is a great opportunity, though, because maybe if Alan takes this call, uh, sorry, Travis takes this call, uh, we'll be able to work out what Alan on the other end of the phone is saying. So do, do you want to take the call and just speak to Alan and see, see what he's talking about? You're at, he said he's at church. What do you think the person on the other end of the phone has said? What do you think? Where are you? Okay, is that what he said? Okay, maybe we'll keep, keep going. He's busy chatting. There's a hundred people. There's a hundred people. Actually, I reckon there's more than that. But yeah, but that's, that's a, good, a good estimate. What do you think the person on the other end of the phone has said? What do you reckon, Jenny? How many people are there? Okay, keep, keep, keep chatting away. Let's see what else. I'm helping with the talk. He's helping with the talk, he said. What, so what do you think the person on the other end has said? What do you reckon? Adults? What are you doing? They're laughing at the back. They can probably hear him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's great. Thanks, Alan. Is, is, that, is that it? Have you got anything more to say? Sorry, Travis. I keep getting the name from Okay, say, say bye-bye. Bye. Okay, good. Thanks, Travis. Brilliant. Brilliant. So when you hear half a conversation, you can get a pretty good idea what the person on the other end is saying, although sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. Uh, but that's a bit what it's like when we read uh, Paul's letters. Uh, but... But Paul, from Paul's uh, first letter to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians were the people that lived in this um, big city called Corinth. So there's a church in Corinth. And from that first letter to the Corinthians, we understand that the church there in Corinth was in a total mess. The church was in a total mess. There were different groups within the church, and they were arguing with each other. 
Uh, Some people thought that they were much more important because they had certain gifts. Some people were even getting drunk during communion on the communion wine. And there was loads of other stuff going on, which I can't mention now, but we'll look at uh, over, over the coming weeks. And you might think that Paul would start his letter by telling them off. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead, he reminds them who they are now that they've become Christians because it seems like they've forgotten. Now, I think there's someone who's going to bring a table and chair forward who's, who's been... No one's been geared up for that. I'll, I'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, okay, so let's bring this forward. Who is... Who is in... Who's going to start prep next year or is in prep or in grade one? Anyone? Okay. You're grade one. Come, come up, Jess. You, you may, and you had your hand up early as well. So you come and sit. Uh, maybe if you sit here and you sit here. Okay. So imagine. Imagine. So this is a, this is a prep class. Okay. Um, imagine now that it's... Tuesday morning, and uh, Liam got terribly confused. And he went to the primary campus, and he went and sat down in the prep class. <laughs> now, this would, be, this would be a very odd thing to do, wouldn't it? It'd be like going backwards. And someone would have to remind Liam who he is. We'd say... Liam, you've moved on from this. You're capable of so much more. You lead, you lead a different life now. You're supposed to be at the steelworks, the steel company. Um, so thanks, guys. That's, uh, that's, that's your job done, Wad, and you can sit back down. Um, Thank you, Jess. And that's what the Corinthians were doing. They say that they're Christians but they weren't living like Christians. It's like that they'd gone back to their old way of life. And Paul reminds them that actually they've been called by God to be a holy people uh, together with everyone else who calls on the name of Jesus. Now, I've got a question for you. It's a multiple, multiple choice question. Adults, you can do this as well. The question is, what is the church? Let's do this with a show of hands. So, If you think the church is a building, put your hand up. Okay? If you think that the church is everyone who's here today, put your hand up. Okay? If you think that the church is every Christian who ever lived, put your hand up. Okay, that's got the most hands up. That's good. But actually, all of those answers, in a way, are right. But when we talk about the church and when the the Bible talks about the church, really what we're talking about is every Christian who has ever lived, every Christian who is alive today, and every Christian who will ever live. The church is all the Christians from all times and in all places. Now, sometimes people say that the church is shrinking. Well, in some parts of the world, it's actually growing faster than ever. China, India... Uh, South America, some parts of uh, the Middle East, the church is growing actually at an exponential rate. But even if it wasn't, even if it wasn't, even if Isla and George 
were the only two people in the whole world to get baptized this year, the church would still have grown by two people. The church cannot shrink because it includes every Christian who has ever lived. And the church is called to be holy. That doesn't mean that as Christians, we look down on other people and think that we're better. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes because we all make a lot of mistakes in life. I know that I have. Being holy doesn't mean looking down on other people. It means looking up to Jesus, putting our trust in him and allowing him to change us so that hopefully when people meet us, they'll see something of Jesus within us. And that's much easier to achieve as a church than it is as individuals. It's all to do with the culture of the church. You know, wherever you go in the world, you'll find different cultures. So the way of life in one place might be completely different to the way of life in another. Now, I once visited Mongolia, and I went on a two-week horseback journey with a Mongolian Buddhist monk. It would take far too long to explain why I was doing that. But I encountered a very different culture. I had to ride a horse instead of driving a car everywhere. And the people there, they didn't live in houses. For the most part, they lived in little round tents, uh, white tents called gur tents. And uh, when you arrived at someone's home, when you arrived at their tent, even if you didn't know them, you wouldn't knock. You'd never knock. You'd walk straight in. It would be rude to knock. But here, if you walked straight into someone's house, they didn't know you, the, the surprise visit, they'd call the police. Very different culture. I had to milk yaks. In fact, they hardly, I didn't see anyone drink water. They only drank yaks milk. That's very difficult for us. We're not used to that. And do you know what? No one spent any time looking at a screen. Can you imagine that? They didn't even watch TV. And yet they seemed very relaxed and happy. So it was a very different culture. I'll never forget it. And when people come into the church for the first time, they should find a completely different culture. They should be amazed. They should say, there's this, there's this group of people and they love each other. It's like one big family. Uh, they take care of the poor and the disadvantaged. They're generous with their time and their money and their gifts. There are people from different nations and backgrounds and walks of life and age groups. And everyone is treated with the same love and respect. They worship Jesus and they live with meaning and purpose and passion. And they welcome me in like I already belong to their family. That's what people should say when they come into the church for the first time. They should be amazed at how different it is. We are called to be different. We must never forget who we are. The Corinthians had forgotten and Paul had to remind them. Next, Paul talks about gifts. He says that uh, God has given uh, the church spiritual gifts. Now, I want you to tell me something that you enjoy doing or you're good at. Hands up. Who's got something they enjoy doing or they're good at? I, I, think, I've got, I think I know what you're going to say, Isaac. Are you going to tell me Minecraft? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> good. I know. 
I just had a kind of a word of knowledge there. That's <laughs> Isaac, Minecraft, fantastic. Jenny, pardon? Swimming. Swimming, excellent. Swimming, you good at swimming. Jess, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Um, drawing. Drawing, fantastic. David? Soccer. Who else has got something they're good at, they enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing? Gym. Gym? Fantastic. Some great answers there. God gives us all gifts and abilities and passions, doesn't he? And when we give our lives to Jesus, he shows us how to use them to build the church. We're also given new spiritual gifts, and we're actually going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. But I want to finish by looking at something that Paul says in verse 8. He says, you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hands up if you've ever been caught doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing. There's only... We've got a very saintly group of adults in this church. Only a handful of them have ever been caught doing anything they're not supposed to do. Well, I could... I can tell you that I have. I have. When I was about 10, me and a friend were building a camp out of hay bales in the farmer's barn. And then the farmer came along. So we ducked down behind some hay bales and we thought that he wouldn't be able to find us. We were, we were really super quiet. Unfortunately, the farmer had a dog. I can even remember the dog's name. The dog was called Massey and Massey went nuts, barking her head off. And I actually heard the farmer say, what's up there, Massey? Have you seen a rat? (laughs) Anyway, the farmer came up to take a look. And he was looking over the top of these bales, looking down on us. And we're kind of huddled down, looking up, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. We'd been caught wrecking his haystack. And it was a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling getting caught. And when Jesus returns, everything that we've ever said and thought and done will come out into the light and will be seen for who we really are. And if you're anything like me, you might think that would be like getting caught doing something wrong because there's a lot of stuff going on in here that just isn't right. And that is true for every single one of us. But Paul says that if we know and love Jesus, we'll be blameless on that day. It'll be like we've never done anything wrong. There'll be nothing to fear. I mean, if Paul can say to that messed up church in Corinth, with all that was going on there, if he could say to them, you will be blameless on the day that Jesus returns, I'm quite sure that he could say the same to us here in this church. That doesn't mean that we can do whatever we like and get away with it. No, that would be to go back to our old life. That would be to forget who we are. We've left that behind. And when Isla and George are baptized today, it symbolizes them starting a new life with Jesus and being washed clean so that they can stand blameless before Jesus when he returns. We have been called by God to be different. We've been gifted by God, every single one of us, to build up the church. And we've been made blameless by God, not because we're good, 
but because Jesus died in our place. And that is Paul's starting point with his letter to the Corinthians. And over the coming weeks, we're going to see how he lovingly but firmly dealt with the problems that existed within that church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you call us by name, you make us your own. We thank you that through Jesus we can be forgiven, we can have the slate wiped clean, we can be blameless, not because we're good, but because you are. And we pray that this truth will sink in for all of us today, that we recognize that salvation is to be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen.